nearly one year after her mother disappeared. Lauren DeMola was last seen in Cape Coral dropping off an application at a gas station last June. And since then, there has been no sign of her. Where is Lauren DeMolo? I'm Hillary Wadsworth. And I'm Caitlin Boddy. And you're listening to Complicit. Today is June 19th, 2021. As of today, it's been one year since Lauren disappeared. But as Cassie stated in a recent Facebook post, the nightmare, in retrospect, started on June 1st, 2020, the day Lauren's paranoia and erratic behavior led to her first Baker Act hold. It's been an extremely trying and tumultuous year for Lauren's family and friends, and a frustrating year for Cape Coral law enforcement, too. Remember, Detective Jones has never not found a missing person. As Lauren's case has gained more attention, and as more people begin to understand the bigger picture surrounding her disappearance, it's not surprising that many of you have had questions, and we thank all who wrote in with questions about this case. Behind the scenes, we are still gaining insight into what happened to Lauren, and in the next episode, we will pick up the story. But first, today we're joined by Paul DeMolo, Lauren's dad, to answer some of the questions we received from you, our listeners. It's important to remember that Lauren's case is still open and still unsolved, so some of Paul's answers are conjecture and from his perspective only. These questions are in no particular order and will only make sense if you've already listened to the previous seven episodes of Complicit. So if you haven't, we recommend you listen to the story first. So Paul, we got a lot of questions in from listeners who want some more information about topics we've covered on the podcast and details that maybe they want some more explanations on. So let's start getting your perspective on things. Does anyone think the claim that Lauren was put in the Gulf of Mexico is just a distraction to get the local land searches to stop? Yeah, I would think so. I would think it's all misinformation that that's being put out there. It's all, it could be this, it could be that, it could be that, because they want to stick them in all different, you you know, people looking in all different directions instead of looking exactly where it is. While Anne was in and out of consciousness in the hospital, she told Jeffrey, Lauren's brother, that Michael took Lauren. Who do you believe Michael is? Good question. You know, I'm still not sure who Michael is 110%. But a few months ago, I got in a phone call on Messenger. Somebody said there was this guy and he lived next door to him and he's in Cape Coral. And he said, you know, this guy, you know, I've lived there for two years. He's been my next door neighbor. And we both were in the same business. We were in construction. He goes, he quit his job, he told me. And he said he started selling drugs again because he wasn't making enough money. And then he said, you know, he knew two of the guys that was involved in my daughter's disappearance to this other gentleman. And he said, gentleman said to him, well, you know, did you call up, you know, the police and crime stoppers? You know, there's a reward. The guy said, you know what, you know. For the amount of money, what the reward was, if it was more, I would have. But I make more money off of these two guys in a week than what that reward is for Lauren. So, you know, I didn't, you know, I'd be cutting my own throat if I turned them in. And his name was Mike. I'm not going to give you his last name right now. I know it. 
I know where he lives. I know who he is. I have pictures of him. I know all about him, and his name is Mike. The only Mike that's popped up so far. Regarding the mystery woman who posed as Lindsay and visited Anne in the hospital, has anyone confronted the hospital where Lauren's mom was admitted and asked how a person was able to get into the hospital disguised? And if they were not family-related, are there any updates on who that person was or what their intentions were? No updates. have no idea what the intentions were. And from the response that people have gotten, you know, family members have gotten. Supposedly there was no cameras. Nobody had to sign in, which to me, and once again, I know the hospital's got cameras. There's cameras on our front door. There's usually cameras on every single floor. What other searches have police done besides the Four Freedoms Park and Cadaver Dog search? Don't know because they don't really tell me a lot. And they keep a lot from me, you know. Every time I talk to them now, I get the same thing. That's nothing new. Nothing new. Nothing new. So that leads into the next question. Is this considered a cold case? And if not, when? And will you be able to get access to the case file at that point? I don't know how or when they consider something a cold case or how long of a period of time has to go through. Seems to me that, you know, the media is still involved with this. The community is still involved with this. This is, to me, is just an unsolved case at this point still. Which to me, I still, like I said, that really baffles me because as far as I'm concerned, this should be solved. Have the police looked more into the maintenance man? I can't get answers on that question. I even asked them if they even spoke. I mean, once again, this is the guy supposedly that was one of the last or the last person to see Lauren. He was in an apartment that he shouldn't have been in. And then the mother winds up in the hospital and dies. He's the last one to see her. He also, I believe, knew, you know, Gabby from years ago when they both lived only, what, 10 or 12 miles apart in Wisconsin. I don't think that's much of a coincidence, you know. What's the deal with the grandma who has custody? Can you share more information about that? When I was down in Florida for months, she wouldn't let me speak to my granddaughter. And she made up an excuse saying, well, she knows nothing about what's going on with Lauren. And I said, well, what do you think I'm going to say anything to her about her mom? I said, that's, you know, I mean, we're all adults here. I said, it's my granddaughter. I would like to come down and see her. You know, I haven't seen her and I would like to talk with her and see her. She would not answer my calls. She does not answer Cassie's call. She's not, you know, the child's mother. She's the grandmother. She got guardianship and that's it. You know, why she's treating me this way or Cassie this way. I don't know. Was he ever a suspect? The father? I know that supposedly, from what I understand, from Cape Coral Police Department, they went down and spoke with the mother. She lives in a guarded, in a, in a gated area, and she told him that, you know, he, he wasn't there. But did he actually speak to him? I have no idea. Good question. Is there any connection between the woman who overdosed at Carl's house and Lauren? Did they know each other? Honestly, don't know. I had spoken with her father down in Florida. He contacted me and he's not happy with these people. Besides the notebook, did you find any other clues at Lauren's apartment? I tore that place apart with, you know, her sisters and now 
nothing. You know, I mean, I found at one time Gabby had a gun because I found, you know, receipts for it and everything else in his name. And this is a guy that, you know, was been arrested, has had domestic violence charges, has had restraining orders, showed, you know, paperwork and gave it to Malone. And he said, oh, yeah, we knew about that already. Do Gabby and Carl know each other? I'm sure they finally knew about each other, especially after the abortion. So I would have to say yes, because not just that, Gabby worked with his girlfriend at Perkins, along with Lauren, Gina, years before that. They all, the three of them, worked together at Perkins. Was Gabby ever questioned by police about the domestic violence incident on May 22nd? I don't know about that. I know he was questioned. What was the actual questions? Don't know. I gave them pictures that she sent me. I would hope that they questioned him. I mean, this is a guy that has a history of beating women. And all of a sudden, my daughter's gone right after a beating. And he's walking free. Why aren't there any charges being filed, at least on that arm? Yeah? I don't know. Who was Lauren's last text message sent to? Do you know? Josh Okapal, I believe, and Jose Rivera. Names mentioned as suspects. So, Jose, Josh. Did the police give reasons why they are being named as suspects? I think because one of the text messages, which was on Thursday, went to Jose and Josh, and Lauren was asking, are you guys coming to get me? Are you guys coming? I think that's what it said. And I believe that's why they initially, they found out through, I guess, the app that that was used, that it actually went to them. Oscar, the owner of the company where Victor, Gabby, and Jeffrey worked, allegedly committed suicide just a few days after Victor and Gabby's work van was returned after being confiscated by police. Did the police ever look further into his death as suspicious? Not that I know of. I was told it was basically, you know, because he was going through a divorce, Oscar. You know, but talking with Jeffrey just a few weeks prior to this happening, Jeffrey was like, he's known he's been going through the divorce and he didn't even care. You know, he said she can have everything. He'll start over again. He didn't care. He was supposed to go fishing that day, Oscar. And he was supposed to bring the bait. And then he never showed up. And that's how his friends knew there was something wrong because he never showed up, didn't call. They tried calling him, nothing. And that's how they found out. You know, like I said, I don't believe in all these coincidences, you know. Did Gabby give a reason for having Lauren's phone with him when he showed up that day to collect his TV? No, not as far as I know, nobody asked him. The phone that that was originally taken, he took out of Matt's hands, which is Lindy's boyfriend's hands, walked back into the apartment, came back out and handed him Lauren's phone. And then you walk out with a television that's not even yours, that has a hard drive in it because it's a smart TV. So it hooked up to the Wi-Fi. Their phones hooked up to Wi-Fi. And Lauren's phone was everything was on Wi-Fi, which means that television and that hard drive has all sorts of information on it that cannot be erased. But he walked out with that television and his comment was, obviously, she's not coming back. Well, she supposedly only disappeared on Friday. This is Tuesday. And obviously, she's not coming back. How do you know that? Maybe she was just pissed off at you. And then Tuesday, you just happened to show up there. Well, who called you to let you know that my daughters and Matt were there to go in the apartment? Had to be. And, right? Nobody else knew. Have you spoken to Gabby since that day he was at the apartment to get his TV? 
No, no. He's never once reached out. He's never once went on a search. He's never done nothing. He hasn't done a thing. None of them lifted a finger. Victor never went on a search. The mother never went on a search. Gabby never went on a search. None of them. You supposedly care so much about this person, but you know, you don't do nothing to help. Fine. You're not out there looking. You're not out there on the news. You're not out there doing anything. But the rest of the community is all out there, absolute strangers, but not the people that supposedly loved her. I don't believe a word he says. I don't believe a word that any of them say. They're all full of crap. Have the Cape Coral police gotten any other higher law enforcement authorities involved? Maybe they could review the video from Four Freedoms Park. I don't know the answer to that question. I know from talking with Detective Jones, he said, you know, he reached out to Fort Myers at one point for some help with certain things. And I'm sure that when they did the search in, in the basin there with looking for Lauren in the water, you know, asking for partial help or whatever, I, I, I think they did. Did they actually invite another outside agency to come in and assist with the case? As far as I know, no, they didn't. Because I think Fort Myers, I think, you know, they're, 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 they're the sheriff's department there has way, way more resources than Cape Coral's. And why they weren't invited in to help to or even take over this case, I don't understand why. You know, if they can't solve this and they know that the media is on top of this and everything, and then, you know, why not ask for the help? I, I, I don't know. When you say Fort Myers, do you mean Lee County Sheriff? Yeah. I mean, they could have been brought in from two weeks, three weeks afterwards when they weren't getting anywhere and said, listen, you know, you guys have way more resources. You know, can you come in and, you know, help with this case from start to beginning, you know, look over files, here's this, and, you know, put some guys on this case. You have more resources than we have, and we would appreciate the help. As far as I know, that's never happened. Have the police looked into other similar disappearances in the area? That's a question for the police, because when I was down there, from what I understood from a woman that lived right across the street from Lauren on the corner, there was two other girls prior to Lauren that went missing, and none of it was ever on the news, in the paper, nothing. It's like, you know, I don't think Kate Coral likes this kind of publicity, because I believe they're trying to make it look like, you know, this is a great place to live. People need to come here and buy here. You're right on the water. It's like, you know, paradise where, you know, everybody says, oh, yeah, it's uh, how do I put this? Let me think. Hmm. Living the dream, right? Yeah. Well, what people don't realize is nightmares are dreams, too. I'm not saying that the police department is doing something wrong or whatever. I'm not going to say anything like that. All I'm going to say is this. I don't think they have the people, enough people to handle cases like this sometimes. I don't think they have the expertise to handle things like this. And I know for a fact they don't have the resources to handle things like this. And why they won't invite an outside agency such as, you know, the Lee County Sheriff's Department who has way, way, way more resources to actually either come in or take over this case or, you know, have them look into this, into depth, into this with their own detectives and their own resources. 
There are still plenty of unanswered questions, not the least of which is, where is Lauren? And what happened between June 18th and June 20th, 2020? Our investigation continues to uncover new information regarding Lauren's disappearance, but you can also listen to additional interviews about the case with Paul, Cassie, and us on two other amazing podcasts, Riddle Me That True Crime and The Missing Persons Podcast. For additional coverage with interviews and expert analysis, you can check out Gray Hughes, Eric Hunley, and Georgia Marie's YouTube channels. The next episode of Complicit is coming soon. We'll pick up the story with what we've learned since our last episode, and we'll be talking with someone you may be interested in hearing from. My name is Victor, and Lauren was my stepdaughter. That's on the next Complicit. Be sure to subscribe wherever you are listening. For listening to Complicit, a true mystery podcast about the disappearance of Lauren DeMolo. If you have any information about the disappearance of Lauren DeMolo, please call 1-800-780-TIPS. That's 1-800-780-8477. Or go to www.capecops.com tips. Or you can text a tip to crimes. That's 274637. Tips can be left anonymously, and there is a reward currently being offered for information leading to an arrest. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes and continued developments in Lauren's case. For additional information you won't hear and can't see on the podcast, visit our website at complicit-podcast.com. Also, be sure to follow us on social media, on Facebook at Complicit Podcast, on Twitter at complicit underscore pod, and on Instagram at complicit underscore podcast. Complicit is a production of Seventh Guest Productions and produced by Resonate Recordings. And now, here's another podcast we like, and you may as well.